0: That's Herb Alpert and the Tijuana Brass. I'm Meg Rowley, and on this edition of Fangraphs Audio, I welcome Rachel McDaniel, managing editor of the Hardball Times, back to the program. We discuss the Houston Astros, the ethics of cheating, whether we fundamentally misunderstood what baseball is our disappointment in the game's latest scandals and our somehow still persistent excitement for the season to come all of that is coming up but first it is my obligation to tell you that fangraphs memberships are now available at fangraphs.com for the monthly cost of a box of drugstore valentine's chocolate you can support all the great work at fangraphs including rachel's saber award nominated writing ben clemens ongoing free agency research eric longenhagen's top prospect lists and david laurelis sunday notes columns you may also for a slightly Greater sum, purchase an ad free membership, and enjoy fangrafts without banner ads, facilitating faster loading times. That bit of business being complete, I take you to my conversation with Rachel McDaniel, managing editor of the Hardball Times, which begins right now. It feels, Rachel, like such a monumental achievement to be able to record this podcast given the comedy of errors
1: that befell us the last week and a half when we tried. The illness, the persistently beeping fire alarm, uh, the leaky roof, and today was very nearly another entry in that lengthy list. I was studying for a midterm exam that I had a few hours ago and lost track of time and looked at the clock to realize that, like, oh, my God, it's in 15 minutes. I really have to get going. So (laughs) I raced out of the house with nothing but my phone and my keys and got an Uber, which is a very recent service here in Vancouver. Like they just, yeah, they just opened up the licensing to Uber about two weeks ago. So anyway, I get there on time. I do my midterm. Everything's great. And then I exit and then I try to get an Uber back because Mm -hmm. I have no money because I didn't bring my wallet, and I have no bus pass, and there are absolutely no Ubers <gasps> available in the area, because UBC is so far away, and Uber Ugh. is so new here. And then my phone died. Oh my gosh. So thankfully, my partner was not, you know, at school or asleep, and was able to come rescue me with $3. Otherwise, <laughs> otherwise, I would not be here right now
0: ah it really i wish that both you and our listeners could have seen the the face that i made on friday because we had as you noted like we had to reschedule because i had this horrible head cold and i was just coughing to a point of uh, like anticipatory annoyance on the part of both you and the people who listen to this podcast of me having to Hack up along into the microphone, and so we had moved it, and you had the terrible fire alarm, which much more of an inconvenience to you than to the podcast. And we had a plan. Our plan was Friday, and I thought to myself, you know, the thing that's likely to disrupt this plan is a is a Mookie Betts trade. And I thought we'll start <laughs> recording, and then Betts will be traded, and I'll have to discontinue our recording, or at least pause it, so that I can. You know issue marching orders and what have you, and it didn't happen. I looked at my phone and I walked into my office to set up so that we could record and I walk in and I hear bloop 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 and it, we had had I don't know if the weather was as bad at the end of last week for for you up in b c as it was here, but we just had oppressive, awful soaking rain all day on Friday, and it did not the the roof of the house I rent did not prove equal to the challenge. So, but here we are. I here bet we Mookie Betts will get traded while we're talking though. That seems like 100%. Yeah. That seems like a likely thing. But he has not been traded so far, so we will uh we will press on with the the specter of a Passen or a Rosenthal notification looming, but <laughs> Rachel, since the last time you and I have had a chance to record Fangraphs audio, baseball
1: has been up to some
0: Tricky business.
1: After some true hijinks, indeed.
0: Yeah, and so I thought we would talk about the hijinks because, well, you know, a lot of words have been spent both on our various podcasts and also just on Fangraphs.com. I feel like you might have a, a unique perspective on the Astros, and really, I'm not tired of talking about them. They just hired a new general manager right before we came on to record uh who is a, another raise well now former raise executive whose last name is click and this is a team uh james click is his full name this is a team that used banging and also has been accused although it has not been proven by anyone or substantiated uh, of perhaps using buzzers uh, and so they hired someone named click and i find that funny
1: One might say that Jim Crayon ran a successful clickbait operation.
0: (laughs) One might say that. Uh, I can't decide if I'm easily amused or if it'll help me live longer. You know, I don't know. I can't decide if it's good or bad. But I guess one question I have for you, Rachel, is are you dismayed? Or amused in, in the large part by the Astros? Because it can be both things. You can, and many other things too, I suppose. But when you first heard about the Astros sign stealing business, what was, your, what was your first immediate emotional response to it?
1: My immediate emotional response was amusement because the, it, it was the banging scheme. It, yeah. it just sounded so ridiculous and it's hard not to feel that amusement when you're mostly talking to people like I am who don't follow baseball in any respect and don't understand anything about baseball in our- and so I'm just like oh my god the banging scheme has taken over my life and everybody's like the banging <laughs> scheme <laughs> So, and then you're like, oh, it's a huge deal. They set up a TV screen in the clubhouse, the clubhouse tunnel, and then they were banging a trash can to signal signs. This is earth shattering news. And everyone's like, no, no, it's not. That just sounds totally foolish and absurd. And so on on a very real level, it is totally foolish and absurd, yes. but on another very real level, it is dismaying, Yeah. just in terms of what, and I actually more dismaying than the actual cheating itself, I think, is just the conversation that ends up surrounding it, I find, is mm-hmm. always really frustrating. And it, it's along the lines of the PED discourse, which is similarly frustrating, but I almost find this more frustrating. Because it seems like nobody can settle on the premise of what we're talking about because when people leap to the defense of the Astros as many have sure. and said well they're just doing they just got caught doing what everybody else is doing like this is not some heinous action or some uniquely dismaying thing that is happening in baseball and that it's it's like everybody has a different idea of what cheating is which mm-hmm. means that everybody has a different idea of what baseball is because cheating like to define cheating you have to have a definition of what the rules of, of what constitutes the sport you're playing right because a cheating action is an action that is breaking the game that you're playing and so it ends up getting into this space where it's like well, what is the game that we're playing? Like, is it is it just fundamentally broken at this point, right. or was there nothing to break because this was the game?
0: Right. You you wonder, you know, particularly in a field that, and I don't offer this as a defense of the behavior. I'd like to make that clear because I have tend to roll my eyes at this this particular defense. But when you when you have a a game where the sort of dominant sentiment among front office types is this striving for innovation. And that seems to be a purpose and a a destination unto itself for some. You aren't surprised that this sort of behavior might manifest itself, right? That you might find a team culture that facilitates that sort of thing, even to the detriment of fairness. But that doesn't make us feel great about having to wonder how good the hitters on the Astros are, that makes us feel bad about it. We don't feel good about that. I want to, I want to just be able to enjoy them being good at baseball without worrying there's chicanery involved, right?
1: Yeah. And my mom, like, we, we watched baseball together a lot. And Mm -hmm. one of the things that my mom always said she liked about baseball, she's like, when I feel like when I'm watching a game, I'm seeing something with integrity. And then so when I was talking to her last week, she was like, well, I guess nothing has integrity anymore. And I understand the drive towards innovation and the drive towards finding the most efficient way to achieve things,
0: mm-hmm.
1: because it is exciting. And that's kind of a human impulse, is to want to find the best and way to do things and the cleverest way to do things and be the smartest guy and the best guy. But part of the reason, and this might just be like my own personal... Aesthetic and ethical preference. But part of the reason why I like sports and I find them so interesting, and especially why I like baseball, is because it is just kind of an inherently inefficient activity. Yeah, The pursuit of baseball is not really something that lends itself, I think, to... Being the f- the fastest and finding the best way to do things, because like if you wanted the sport where the people are the strongest, or if you wanted the sport where the people go the fastest, or if you wanted the sport that is like the most high tension moments packed into a certain time frame, baseball achieves none of those things, right. and so part of what's so interesting to me about the sport is that you can it's this area where y- you enter into it, and part of the rule of what the realm that you're entering into is that like we're setting those things aside and we are engaging in this this activity that we acknowledge is is inefficient and is Mm -hmm. not useful and that that's why that's why that the whole thing frustrates me i think because otherwise like what is baseball for is the question i end up with if if this is what the game is going to be now and this is what we're moving towards what is it for
0: yeah, it's not, I mean, I think you're right that it is purposely not frictionless, right? We we gum up the works in baseball uh, pretty intentionally. We introduce uh, elements to the game and have rules that force it to be sort of plodding and pastoral, and we say we like that stuff, right? That's part of what is supposed to appeal about an afternoon at the ballpark, and yet... And I don't I don't mind having there being some some shiftiness, some shenanigans, but I want them to be a little more sort of uh, I want them to be the result of savvy right like I want it to be i don't have a i don't have a problem with a runner on second helping the batter figure out the signs if it's just him out there right yeah uh paying attention that you know and and we draw these lines and that's sort of artificial like the difference between that and the banging scheme. Is small but there is a difference and you know the whole sport is made up so we get to decide what differences matter and which ones don't because it's not you know it's not gravity
1: yeah and that's where i run into problems is that okay we like we are we are inventing this whole thing it is what we want it to be the rules right. are whatever we want them to be and it makes me wonder if maybe my own uh position in that, in that I don't appreciate the banging scheme and mm-hmm. I don't think it's justifiable and I don't think we should allow it to happen or encourage it might be, I don't know, on the wrong side of where baseball is trending, because yeah. ultimately it's just going to be a collective kind of movement, whether whether it's led by the organizations or MLB or whether it's led by fan demand that creates what baseball will be in the future. Like, like when people, the, the oft laughed at, like oft cited example of the curveball the introduction of the curveball being this heinous form of trickery mm-hmm. that is that is making baseball less pure because the batter is being deceived clearly that that idea seems really ridiculous and antiquated to us now but I'm wondering if maybe in a hundred years, if baseball is still around, whether the idea that people wouldn't be using cameras to steal signs and using all the tools available at their disposal, the idea that that is bad would seem laughable and antiquated. I just don't don't know.
0: Yeah. I wish that the version, like, there is a version of this scandal, and of course it would not have been able, it would not have persisted. It would not have been a... It would not have been a thing, and that's why we didn't get this version. But there is a version of this behavior that I I at least could find myself being, and perhaps against my better judgment, but could find myself being charmed by. Like, if the, if the way that they communicated this was to have Jose Altuve stand on the top step of the dugout and bang a trash can lid, I would be charmed by that. <laughs> because it's the technology it's so low tech right uh as a as a way of doing it you know if it was just him with his eyes figuring out a way to decipher the sign and then banging on a trash can lid I'd find that funny but of course like that's not a way to actually steal signs so that's why it doesn't work and also they'd they'd find you they'd they'd know that's what you're up to so (laughs) It's not that we are, uh, it's not that we're opposed to having a little bit of mischief. We like mischief, but this feels like a different sort of thing. It is funny to me that, at least in the early going, and I imagine that the analysis of the efficacy of this banging scheme will continue for quite a while because there are so many different ways to approach that research question that I don't think we necessarily have a full and complete view of it yet. But I do think that it is amusing that. There was all this trouble and the reputation of that team is forever tarnished and that World Series will always have an asterisk in people's minds and all of these batters are going to get buzzed and beaned and all sorts of things this season. And it might not have even have helped that much.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, like I've been trying in trying to sort out my own thoughts on the issue. I've been reading a lot of like sports philosophy and, mm. like, sports ethics philosophy. And there's a really wide-ranging debate. Uh, and if you hear weird noises, it's because my cats are fighting right oh. now. Uh, oh, cats. One, of the- one of them is trying to hide with me and sniffing the microphone. So if you hear strange <laughs> noises, that's what that is. But regardless of that, and I wonder if they have cheating issues in their various conflicts. Uh, <laughs> regardless of that, like, there's a wide-ranging debate on how we can define cheating in sports. And there are a lot of different perspectives on what cheating is. Like it, taking the example of, I don't know, hockey or football or basketball where fouls, like mm-hmm. things that are illegal, like they're kind of baked into the structure of the game in, in a way that's not, the like, it doesn't, it's not as prominent in baseball. Right. So, so is somebody, somebody getting an intentional foul, strategically like drawing a penalty or for whatever reason like is that cheating or is deception a necessary aspect of cheating or is cheating something that's not necessarily against the letter of the rules but is against the ethic of the sport and then and then you get into the whole really naughty issue of what is the ethic of the sport and is that important to the sport right like to defining the sport as a whole and it just seems like a really it's it's not a settled conversation and it seems like really difficult to come down hard on any one of these sides because there's always some exception that somebody can pull up. And I right. think that's part of why discussions around cheating often feel so unsatisfying and unproductive for a lot of the people involved because you end up getting, you come down hard on the side of this is terrible or you come down hard on the side of this was not that terrible. But then there's always... Like those shades of well, what about this element of it? Like, can we allow that to happen? Right. It, it, would this work under the categorical imperative? Like, <laughs> it's it's just it's a lot. And I I on one level I enjoy thinking about it because it's kind of a ultimately a lower stakes way to think about these kinds of ethical issues than right. a lot of other things you might bring up to think about them as examples. But on the other hand it's like uh this is the the reality is that people's real lives are bound up in this like a lot right. a lot of people's real lives and their livelihoods are affected by what is going on at a baseball field. So it sucks that we have to have this discussion even yeah. though we do have to have this discussion. <laughs> so in your exploration
0: of of sports ethics what does the is there a consensus and it sounds like there might not be but is there a consensus around how important it is to to whether a particular act is considered cheating that that act be effective does efficacy matter i mean either in the literature or just to you personally either is fine
1: there have been, yeah, there have been arguments on both sides in the literature. I think that generally the consensus is that it doesn't matter because, mm-hmm. because a lot of the time the, what it comes down to, like what, what the, people's thoughts boil down to, is that cheating wouldn't matter at all unless the ethics of a particular sport are a fundamental part of the sport, like the sure. agreed upon ethics. And so if, if the cheating is breaking the ethics of the sport and thus rendering it so that one team is playing essentially a different game than the other because they are operating by different ethical systems, then that is still cheating and that is still unacceptable.
0: Yeah, that seems that seems like an ethic that I, an understanding of ethics that I would agree with, especially because, you know, in something like baseball where you're assessing sort of did this from a, you know, a runs created perspective, assist an offense over the course of an entire season, well, you might have a net sort of neutral effect, which is what, you know, some of the like the research that Rob Arthur did last week indicated, but that doesn't mean that any individual event isn't altered by the presence of that kind of cheating, right? So, you know, it might not have advanced the the playoff odds of the Astros in aggregate, but there were a couple of pitchers who had really rotten days, uh, at least in part because of the banging scheme. Man, I hate the cheating, but I love the name.
1: Yeah, that's where that's where you come into like, well, okay, this is also an absurdity that's going to be like, right. when people look back on this in 200 years, if if people look back on this in 200 years, I don't want to overestimate the importance of our current era and the importance of baseball in our current era. No, but I do but,
0: appreciate the optimism of assuming that we'll all be around in, or someone will be around in 200 years, <laughs> so I'm here for that.
1: I just try to operate... <laughs> with that as, like, axiomatic. Like, we, don't worry about it. People yeah. will figure it out. Yeah. But if people look back on this in 200 years, it's going to be, like, a f- curiosity. Yes. Like, like how we look back on the scandals of baseball of old, like, not even that long ago, are mostly, we mostly look at them as curiosities, because most of the people involved are no longer around. Right. So, it it, it comes down to the immediacy of it, and, like, how it affects people... Like, we can feel the effects now, and people who were involved can feel the effects now, and that's what makes it suck. Yeah. Even though it is funny.
0: Right. And we are, I think, baseball more than most other sports, and that isn't to say that other sports aren't interested in chronicling their own history, but, you know, baseball is detailed obsessed Is detail obsessed, but also I think acknowledges that over time our memories of specific players or seasons or what have you will fade, which is why everyone fixates on the postseason so much because it's one of the few times when we all come together to like collectively make a memory of a thing, right? We want to we want to remember that guy in the postseason, you know, David Ortiz will probably get into the Hall of Fame on the strength of his postseason record. And part of why it's so impactful is because that's baseball that we all watched together as opposed to the rest of the the year when it's um a largely regional concern. And so I think that we get especially offended when there are teams that have forced their way into that October conversation and then they prove to be sort of ill gotten. And we don't we don't care for that. We just want to be able to remember the World Series winners and be excited for them. And now we might have two in a row where we're just really not into it so i don't know i think that there's like the day-to-day integrity of baseball operating the way that we need it to and because it's all made up that needs to that ethical system needs to hold together in a cohesive way or we might just remember that it's all pretend but also we've we've like offended our baseball memory and we tend to get very fussy about that even though i don't know the high and low tech combination, it's the sort of thing that I should like. I mean, I shouldn't like it. It's bad. It's like cheating. Cheating is bad. I shouldn't like it. Um, but you can tell that they really have lost the thread because even I am sitting here as a person who might be otherwise amused by these things and think that they really stepped over the line. A banging scheme isn't enough for me to like it.
1: It taints It taints the collective memory, right? Like It right. taints the experience we're looking for. Fandom fans ultimately are seeking like this kind of communal transcendent experience right. of getting to live through those guys on the field emotionally. Whether it's winning or losing, you want the winning and the losing to be a pure experience. And now like you have Dodgers fans uh, who were otherwise, you know, still angry. Mm-hmm. But their anger at least was uh, rooted in a normal baseball kind of anger. Sure. Of our team should have done this. This guy failed to do that. We should have gotten th- a thus and thus player. But now it's it's got this big question mark on it. Th- yeah. This, it's such that even the memory of the losing is tainted because the feeling of losing is such an important part of sports fandom and now that has been altered and then for Astra's fans now either you've got this defensive tack to it where you're going to have to defend that beautiful moment of your team's first championship ever you're always going to have to defend it to people and to yourself for the rest of however long you remember it. Or it's just going to be tainted for you because it's like, well, would they have been able to win if that hadn't been happening behind the scenes?
0: Right. And I almost wonder because of that, if it wouldn't be better, I don't know if satisfying is the right word, but better or more satisfying to know that it had had a really strong effect one way or the other, because I think part of the problem with cheating that results in marginal improvement is that you are either if you are inclined to be defensive on the Astros behalf you have something of a case that like maybe this wasn't necessary at all like they were a really good baseball team and they would have won anyhow uh, and you're allowed to to believe that and if you're inclined to be a detractor you can look around and say well yeah it was a marginal benefit but when you have very you know tightly uh, contested series and you have teams that are almost equally good that marginal benefit is what makes the difference between you know winning a world series and not and it might be more satisfying for us to be able to say, "Oh, they're they're really, really very good," or "They were really, really rotten," and the the cheating is what did it. But because it occupies this weird in between space, you know, we're we're sort of left to we don't even have like an official narrative to appeal to. We just have to sit here with our wondering of how how big a diff how big a difference it made. It's really very satisfying on the whole I think
1: yeah it's frustrating and it's frustrating for the discussions that have to be had right because like like I was saying before you can't really come down hard on like it had this effect yeah. or this effect because we don't know right. and there there are too many nuances and baseball has too many discrete events to really like make that kind of decision
0: yeah I'm curious, I have not prepared you for this question, so if you need to take a beat to think about it or if you think, oh, that's a really bad question, Meg, I don't want to answer it, you can say those things too. But I have found it interesting. You know, I don't think anyone's looking at the Red Sox and saying, hey, uh, you guys cheating was good. Right. We don't have that view. And maybe it's just that the punishment for their their own sign stealing scandal has not yet come down apart from dismissing Alex Cora. But I have found that a lot of people on Twitter, which is a very reliable sample of the general sentiment, seem quite keen to sort of beat up on Astros players around this, particularly their hitters. And I have not seen, and perhaps this is just a function of who I follow, but um, I have not seen a similar response to the Red Sox hitters. And again, that might just be because we don't know who was involved. But no one seems like they're mad at Mookie. But people are really mad at Jose Altuve. I wonder what you think the reason for that might be. Is it just the general Astros, you know, joie de vivre or what what's at, what's at work there do you think?
1: Yeah, I think a lot of that has to do with kind of like when everybody was doing their end of decade lists of of like the decade in baseball, mm-hmm. who who were the most important teams? Who like the Astros have to come out as at the top of that list or very near the top yeah. of that list right because they're so emblematic of so many of the discussions that have defined baseball for the last decade yeah they are this highly analytical organization they've embraced all the technology they tore the team down completely in the first part of the decade and were just absolute ass garbage in in an unprecedented way and then roared back to be so good in another mm-hmm. unprecedented way. And they have this reputation for like not caring whether they're in terms of the like the front office culture, not caring whether they're well-liked by other organizations. Mm-hmm. It's very insular. It's very like tight, n- tightly knit and proprietary. And so I think because the Astros defined so many of the contentious issues around baseball in the, in the past decade, they are what defines now Th- this whole sign- technological sign stealing issue, sure, and and also it's also partially that, like you said, we don't know who exactly was involved for the Red Sox, and and we do- have less of an idea of what the effects were and what the exact mechanisms of the sign stealing were. Like there was no, to date, there has been no Mike Fires right. of the Red Sox. And so that makes it also easier for people to go after specific Astros because specific Astros were named. Right.
0: Right. And there's been all of this, you know, unlike the the Red Sox who used, seemed to have used video replay, at least as far as we know, to affect this particular scheme. What are we going to call their scheme? It won't be as satisfying as the banging scheme.
1: Another way in which the Astros dominate the discussion. (laughs)
0: Man, but so I think it's you know when um, when Tony Adams last week r- released his signstealing.com dot com or whatever it was, you know you can go back and you can just listen. You know, you can listen for the bangs and be like, oh, those are the bangs. And then you see what happened in the plate appearance, and you're like, I don't don't know, that bang. That's why that home run happened, right? And it will be, I think, much harder not only for—unless Major League Baseball names particular players, which they seem unlikely to do given the commissioner's decision not to punish players. But, you know, there's no auditory marker that we can use to go back and say— Uh, This plate appearance, you know, there was a bang and then, you know, Raphael Devers hit home run. Right. We're not going to have that signature. So I wonder if that's part of it, too.
1: People love to have tangible evidence of conspiracies like people love to have that definite sign, whether it was the the man in white. With the Blue Jays, uh, <laughs> or the banging with the banging scheme, yes. And so that's why, like everybody will of course remember Apple Watchgate, yeah, with the Red Sox a few a few seasons back. Th- that didn't make nearly as big a splash as this because an Apple work. Watch is not as satisfying a symbol as like an ominous man in white looming down from the stands, or as somebody banging a trash can
0: yeah no, I think that that I think that that is true, although I have wondered, I guess I was happy to find that there actually is any kind of a use case for Apple watches at all because I will admit to being skeptical of that me too, yeah, so i don't i uh i don't I don't know about that. Did the punishment that they received strike you as sufficient? Were you satisfied? Did you come away thinking, aha we got' him.
1: i don't i I honestly don't know if I would have felt that way regardless of what like yeah. whether it was more severe or less severe i just don't know how you define what an appropriate punishment is when we don't know exactly what the effects were and and so i i think regardless of what the punishment ended up being like if if they had stripped the title and Jose Altuve was banned for life like mm-hmm. i don't think i would have been satisfied with that it's the the fact of the cheating and the fact that we have to question like raise all these questions is so unsatisfying that like I don't really I don't have any big digs against the Astros as a team so I didn't feel any kind of like personal glee yeah at the punishments it's just like well okay uh this sucks this still sucks like there's not there's not really anything that the the punishment handed down can do about that
0: yeah it, yeah, you can't unring the bell or unbang the trash can, I guess, as the case
1: Maybe so, so true. So, Rachel, do you still like baseball, though? <sighs> I think I do. Oh, that's so good to hear. <laughs> yeah, I've I've asked myself this question quite a bit. Yeah. Over, like, the winter especially, but I don't know. Even just generally the entire time that I've been writing, I think I think writing kind of makes you question whether you like it or not because yeah. writing can be so stressful yes. and, and it can suck so much and you're just like why am I doing this yes. do I even care What what is going on here and to date I have continually come down on the side of I do care but I have wondered
0: yeah I think that I I mean everyone will be relieved I think to hear that I, I still like baseball although I, I would I would like it to be it wouldn't be terrible for it to be kind of quiet for a minute, you know. Yeah. Um, to get to just enjoy it. It's a funny. It's a funny thing because I don't mean this in a stick to sports kind of way, you know. Uh, I don't mean it like we shouldn't talk about the unpleasant parts of of the game. But I I wouldn't I wouldn't hate it if everyone would behave for a little while, so that we can like be excited about. About baseball, if we can have an un- unadulterated excitement um. it 's also hard
1: when all of this stuff happens during the time of the year where you 're the most separated from right. what you actually like about baseball, which right. is baseball right. and and the experiences like the the wonderful collective experiences you can have surrounding baseball, like I was rereading i 've been rereading the summer game just to mm-hmm. kind of remind myself ahead of the season that I do like baseball, yeah, and just reading. There's something Roger Angel writes about how events on the baseball field, like the events of play, are almost irrelevant because they're immediately artifacts of the past. And what sticks with him is the surroundings and the specific way that the light falls over the roof and the the narrow path leading down to the seats and the sounds and the, and the smells surrounding that. Mm-hmm. That is what makes all of this kind of hard to swallow, I think, because if if it were the middle of the summer, it would be easy for me to just, you know, I, I would be, I would read about all of the terrible things happening, and I would be mad, and then I would go to the Canadians game, and I'd be like, I love this. yeah. But in the winter, this is all we have is the game in theory. Like, the the other part of the game is what takes over in the winter. Yeah. And completely disconnected from the physical reality of what we love about it and why you originally love it as a kid which i think or what what originally draws you to it even if you came to it as an adult it makes it feels really depressing yeah it it's like it's like it's just the the sport is now your twitter feed yeah which is a horrible reality to contend with oh
0: the worst rachel are you familiar with the the classic film center stage uh, no, I am not. Oh, well, then this analogy isn't going to... This is just going to fall apart before we even get there. But <laughs> it, is a, it is a movie of a group of uh, young dancers at a fictional prestigious ballet company. And there is... Uh, one of the dancers is played by Zoe Saldana. And she is, you know, she she is very talented, but she's got an attitude and she clashes with the stodgy ballet establishment. And I was very bad at ballet and so I didn't dance for very long, but this feels like a thing that could have happened because they can be kind of stodgy sometimes. And she is given advice that she ends up seem to be quite wise but in the moment she feels sassy about from one of her her ballet teachers that you know when you are feeling sort of off balance and out of center and like everything is the worst and you're dealing with drama that you have to like return to the to the bar not like where you drink but where you you know stretch and do stuff as a ballet person and I have had the experience of being very irritated with baseball and then I go to a baseball game and I'm like, oh, I'm not baseball man. <laughs> and so I think you're right that we uh, we don't have the option to uh, return to the bar, which is a movie reference that means a lot to you personally, and I'm sure to <laughs> all of our listeners, many of whom are men. And so it is. It was a rougher scandal uh, in some ways, even though uh, than say the the awfulness with Brandon Taubman, even though. In terms of my personal experience of my my job and baseball, that struck me closer because I got to watch baseball the next day. Yeah, and so all of that to say, I'm really looking forward to spring
1: training. Oh yes,
0: also because it'll be warm. Rachel, how has the weather been in Vancouver this this winter?
1: It has been well. I think we had about two days of with no precipitation in January. <sighs> And in fact, the day that was so accursed to us when your roof leaked mm. on Friday, yes, I had to go to the doctor in the morning. Uh, I woke up early. I took a step out into my alley and the alley was, you know, completely full of water. I was getting pounded on the head by giant raindrops. And then a taxi sped by me and completely soaked me. No. So that was how my day started. So when you messaged me and said that your roof had started leaking and we wouldn't be able to podcast... I was almost relieved. not surprised.
0: Oh, I was going to say <laughs> relieved because then you just got to succumb to the irritation of your day. Yeah, it felt very cursed. And and as I recall, the last time, maybe not the last time we tried to record an episode, but we, uh, we had a bit of difficulty in September when I was at Fall Week uh, yeah. with noise and internet and all sorts of nonsense. So I don't know. I think that the, what... What this shows is that when we want to podcast, you and I, we should just plan to be delayed for three weeks, and I might record other episodes in the meantime, and then we'll, um, you know, we'll turn around and the bad luck will have passed. We'll have, you know, saged our apartments or what have you and be and be ready to record. But sometimes I do wonder if I really love baseball or if I just like being warm.
1: Honestly, it might just be the warmth.
0: It's certainly... It's uh, certainly both things. I don't know what the exact mix is of the both things, but I think it's certainly both things. Definitely. So you still like baseball? That's good. We don't like cheating. That's bad. I, I'm glad that our official editorial stance is that cheating is bad. That strikes me as a good spot to land as a site. I know that like baseball is still a little ways off, although it feels much closer since you know, pitchers and catchers are going to report soon. And unlike, you know, the last two years, we actually have had a fair amount of free agent activity. But I wonder if you've given some thought, Rachel, to what you're looking forward to the most for this coming season. Are there any things that you're especially excited about?
1: Hmm. What am I looking forward to? I'm looking forward to going back to spring training because mm. yeah. it was just such a great experience last year going for the first time. Yeah. And I'm I'm looking forward to... I have uh, tentative plans to go to opening day for the first time. Oh, I am, cool! I'm planning to to go down to Seattle with one or more of my brothers. Oh, nice! So, it yet to be determined whether it will be one or more. Mm-hmm. But I'm. It'll be really interesting, I think, to experience that, even though it's going to be the Mariners versus the Rangers. <laughs> I, I'm, gonna, I'm really interested to see what like the fan atmosphere yeah. is like at an opening day, because that's something that I've never, I've never experienced. And I'm excited for Mookie Betts to hopefully be on the Dodgers, which I hope I'm not jinxing by saying that.
0: <laughs> <clears throat> I can't believe that that trade hasn't happened. On Friday, after I got the roof situation squared away, I had, to, I had plans to go to a friend's house uh, for game night. We played games. We played a game. Uh, It's like an old, it's supposed to be like an old West uh, card game where like there's outlaws and renegades and sheriffs and it's called Bang. So I just can't get away from (laughs) the banging. Uh, It's very satisfying game. Super fun. My friends who also are not baseball people were like, why are you so amused by the name of this game? And I was like, we have to say the weirdest stuff about our jobs. But I brought my laptop because I was like, if I don't bring it, he'll get traded. (laughs) And I went to my dad's to watch the Super Bowl yesterday. Uh, we were recording this on a Monday, dear listeners. And I didn't think, based on what I had heard from some some sources, that it was likely to happen. But I was like, well, I don't bring this. It's like a trade rosary.
1: If there's anything we've learned from our podcasting travails, it's that you can't tempt fate. Yeah. We can't tempt
0: fate. I think that's a good note for us to close on. Rachel, I imagine you would encourage people to read the Hardball Times, which you edit. I know that you are going to write something in the soonish future about cheating, so people should, should look at that as a companion to this. You will be at our reader meetup in Arizona uh, when we will be warm and at spring training and content with that, which is on Friday, March 13th. Kind of a spooky day. I didn't realize that we were mm-hmm. going to have a Friday the 13th meetup. Mm. Maybe we're tempting fate again.
1: Just can't get away from it.
0: It's very concerning. Yeah, fate. It's always with you. And uh, you are doing a very good job of not really being on Twitter very much because you're a smart person. But are there, is there anything apart from the hardball times and uh, your presence at spring training that you would like to to plug to our listeners?
1: I will do some shameless self-promotion and say that I am up for a Sabre Award. You are! And congratulations! Thank you! And so you can go vote for me if you so choose, or vote for anybody else.
0: Yeah. But I, I, there's a lot of very wonderful and worthy work that's up for Saber Awards this year, some of which ran at Fangraphs and much of which did not, and all of it is worth you reading, but you get to vote, I think, multiple places and multiple times, so I think that a vote for your piece would be very worthy and well spent, so I will promote it on your behalf because I feel confident saying it. You. So yeah, people should vote for Rachel's saber piece. I will link to that piece, which is on Ichiro, in the the notes for this. But Rachel, I'm so glad we were able to finally podcast, and we will do it again. I won't dare tempt fate and say soon, but hopefully quite soon.
1: I hope so too. All right, thank you.